The following is a podcast from Live It, a ministry of St. Marcus. For more information or for message notes, go to www.liveitmke.org. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. God's word for our attention tonight comes from Mark chapter 7, beginning at verse 31. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon down to the Sea of Galilee and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk, and they begged Jesus to place his hand on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, and then he spit and touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephetha, which means be opened. At this the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. This is God's word. Um, How many first-timers here tonight? First time at Live It. Got quite a few. Welcome. Glad you are here. It's our privilege to, to share God's word with you through awesome music and through the awesomeness of God's word. But I always start with a question, just so that you're aware, and so this won't necessarily be one that you have to answer out loud. Um, But how do you appreciate people in your private space? And how big is that private space? Now, right now, um, you said your first time here? Your name? David. David, perfect. All right. Um, David, are you pretty comfortable with me standing here? Pretty comfortable. Okay. Um, David, are you pretty comfortable with me standing here? Not so much. How about now? Now, now I kind of want to move. <laughs> now I want to move. Do we think about that on a regular basis? I, I'm guessing we all have fa- friends or family members who tend to be close talkers. Those people who, you know, at um, six feet, hey, now we're having a nice conversation. At about three feet, now, now it's starting to get a, a little close. But once we're into the one-foot spot, then it's not so awesome. Then he's diverting his eyes and looking anywhere but at me. I think we're all like that. I think we, we have this feeling that we, we want to draw back. We don't want to put ourselves in too close of contact with anybody. I think that's become more and more of our nature. Um, I served for 14 years in Missouri, and I would say... I I was a mission pastor, and the mission board was very kind and generous, and I had a house that I would never be able to afford in my wildest dreams. But you're there to serve the people of that community, and so you have to learn about them, and you have to meet them. Now, we had one neighbor, John and Laura. John and Laura lived right across the street, and they would have to drive past our house to get to their house. And... I knew when John and Laura were coming home because even though they were out of my sight, their garage door would go up. And they would come and they would drive right past and they would wave. They they were good at waving. 
but then they would drive into their driveway, into the garage, and before they stepped out of the car, they hit the button so that the garage door could close immediately. I think that's the way more and more people tend to be. We want to shut ourselves off and away from the rest of the world and all the bad things that are going on out there. Now, I found John and Laura to be very kind, but for the most part, they really were uncomfortable with the interaction. Now, I couldn't be like the other neighbors who had beautiful um, back, por- you know, back porches or decks or all the other things. So, um, very commonly, the fire pit would be moved out into my driveway because that is the obvious thing that people from Wisconsin would do when they live in the St. Louis area. And then everybody was invited. Everybody was, everybody was going to know who I was, whether they liked it or not. And so it was a wave. It was an invitation. Um, we had a nice fenced-in backyard. It had shade over it to keep you cool in the summertime. But I always wanted to be in the front yard. And Pastor Chevy, Rev Chev, always had the magic garage fridge filled with special things for all of the neighbors. Because I knew what every one of them um, liked on a hot summer day, and especially if you might be waiting for your children to get off the bus on a Friday afternoon. And so, some, and so it was that time when all of a sudden the barrier that you're thinking, well, here's the main talker, and here's the pastor, and he's really getting up into me. In fact, Dr. Lorenz was shocked today when I shook his hand and I put my shoulder on him or my hand on his shoulder. He's like, what? what? What's wrong with you, man? I get that question a lot. But that's the way I am. That's the personal, personality God gave me and the way I am wired. And all I do, really, is talk about Jesus. Now, if you were Jesus, don't you think that this would be a man about town? This is the guy who can do all things. He does all things well. The people knew who he was. That he would be out there glad-handing and shaking hands and telling everybody, oh man, it's great to see you. Uh, It's wonderful that we've got this relationship. Look at me. Look at what I'm able to do. And yet how often isn't he like what we find in our text for today? He draws back. He's very self-contained and reserved. And yet he is a blessing to all of us. We are thankful that Jesus didn't remain reserved his entire life. That he didn't run away and flee from those who were persecuting him. That he didn't run away and flee from those who hated him and wanted to see him die. We are thankful that he was willing to be the one who would be willing to give his life and his all for us. He wanted to have a personal relationship with us and the only way that that could happen between us sinful human beings and the great and perfect God of heaven was for him to give his life. But while he was on the earth, he did some great and awesome things. But it wasn't for show It wasn't for the glamour, and it wasn't for the praise. It was because 
he loved people. My dear young friends, as you begin your teaching ministry, I pray that you have come to this place not because you're looking for the hype or you're looking for the praise or you're looking for the pats on the back. I pray those come to you because uh, I'm married to a teacher and I know she needs them more and more all the time. But I trust that, just like her, I'm confident that you do it because you love people and you love children. And you love the gifts that God is placing at your disposal. No matter what age they are, whether it's the grade you teach, whether it's those, that person who needs a special consideration, no matter who they are, you will have a heart for them. That's what makes St. Mark's unique and a special place because it is grounded on the Word of God. This is our heart and our soul. This is what makes this place beat, is sharing the good news of Jesus with a community that is hurting, that is suffering. The man in our text was suffering. He was not able to hear and he was not able to speak. The reason I asked about uh, what is your comfort zone, imagine if some guy came up to you and started, imagine if I came up to you and started digging my finger in your ears. Uh, now, we're, now we're in the uncomfortable zone. Now, say, I took my spit, and I said, let me see your tongue, and let me rub that on there. Um, I'm certainly not making fun of Jesus' method, but what a dynamic way in which he reveals himself to us. The one who is able to open up the ears simply by touching them. And in this unique way, he takes this man who the whole city knew and does something for him by taking him to another place, to a quiet place where he would reveal to that one person at that time his love for them. Teaching is a one-on-one task. Yes, you might have a full classroom, but every single soul is important. Serving as missionaries, as believers do. Every soul, every one at a time is important. I had a family right across the street going back to St. Louis. Um, and they had children the same age as our two oldest children. And it got to be close to the sixth grade year when, we have, when confirmation started. We had three years uh, of confirmation, 6th, 7th, and 8th grade. And we had uh, been sitting there on a Friday afternoon, and she goes, uh, you have Bible teaching for um, junior high kids, right? And I said, yes. And I just let the, the conversation dangle there. I didn't say anything more. It's like, yeah, that, that's what I thought. I said, we're going to be starting in about three weeks, um, and I think we've got six or seven kids, so... So, so it'll be nice. Um, and I let the conversation dangle. She said nothing. But a week later, I said, um, hey, Kathy, would you be interested in having Brett in the catechism class, the confirmation class? And she's like, yeah, that would be great. So Brett starts confirmation class. In the meanwhile, I get a call to serve another congregation. And... I deliberate for about a month, 
and I decide that the Lord wanted me to remain in St. Louis. Um, that night, Kathy and Jim saw that our house didn't have any cars in front of it, which was strange. And so they were nervous because they hadn't read their email to see uh, if I had accepted the call or not. And so with a six-pack in their hand, which was their custom, they knocked on our door and they said, are you staying? And I said, well, yes, I am. And they said, well, we would like to start studying God's Word too. We want to, if you're teaching our son and training him, we want to know what you're going to teach him. And we think that's valuable and important. Some people chuckle about beer at the bus stop. I've used that a couple times. But it's being social. It's being loving and compassionate and knowing where people are and being ready to use the resources at your disposal and being ready to share it when the people around you need it the most. Because I didn't sense they were hurting. Their house was fancy. Kathy shopped at the mall every Friday. They were very well to do. But I sensed that they weren't complete because they knew my Sunday morning habit and our family's and I knew their habit was not the same as mine. Well, they learn God's word. They grow in it. They become members. Jim ends up serving on the council. You see how God works in various ways and in different people's lives. And it doesn't have to be arm swinging, gregarious, up in your face. It can be, I know who you are and I love you. These people thought that they were doing this great and wonderful thing. They knew this Jesus guy and he could help him. And Jesus most certainly did. But Jesus didn't perform this miracle only so that this man could hear and speak, which would be a great gift. But it was so that he could serve as a witness to the, to the goodness and the mercy of the Savior from sin. It was so that he could stand out as a sanctified individual appreciating what Jesus had done for them. I'll probably reference this picture every week that we do this series because you think of the people who are out there and they live under the dark cloud and there never seems to be that opportunity or, or that breakthrough of the sun. And yet here's a person who amidst, in the midst of suffering was going to be blessed in a unique and special way. And in turn, once relief came, he was going to be out there and to serve others. Jesus said, shh, 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 don't, don't, tell, don't tell everybody because I know what you're expecting. I know you've been waiting for this Messiah. You've been waiting for him for a thousand years ever since David and Solomon went away. You've been wanting to reunite our nation and become this world power again. But I'm going to give you a victory in something much better. I'm going to give you the assurance of the forgiveness of your sins. I'm going to give you the peace of knowing that you have eternal life. I am going to conquer your enemies of sin and death and the devil. And I'm going to make you stand out in your suffering. Stand out in your suffering. As children of God, we certainly suffer indignation. 
we are mocked and we are ridiculed, we are taunted um, each, and every, each and every day um, more and more comes out as our culture shifts. And do I dare say our hearts are tempted to shift along with it with the way of the world. So how do we remain strong? Why, why do we have to suffer? I, I don't understand. As Christians, shouldn't God just make it all better for us and make it simple for us and make it easy for us? My friends, in our sufferings and in our trial, it's our opportunity to stand out in the crowd. To not just focus on the here and the now and the ailment and the loss and the pocketbook and the difficulties we are having in our, in our jobs and with our children, but instead it's all about looking at what Christ has done and putting our full trust and confidence in him. It all came clear about a week ago. Friend Lori, actually, actually uh, not a member of our congregation down, down in Missouri, I got a cryptic text from her husband, Mike. Can I, can I talk to you sometime? Sure. Uh, when is it convenient? Uh, three days from now. Um, okay, sorry to be cryptic, but Lori has breast cancer. 40 years old, three children. Lori had endured a couple things. Lori had forgiven Mike for infidelity, so she stuck it out. She suffered through that, that particular indignation. They had two children, and they decided to have one more child. And they had a beautiful child, my buddy Chase, who has Down syndrome. Awesome parents. People that rejoiced in that child, celebrated him, never looked at it as a burden, never looked at it as a yoke, never said, look at us and and feel sorry for us. But they stood out in that crowd and said, we're going to be advocates and we're going to love this child and it's going to be great. And it is great. Chase is six years old. He's a dynamo. Love that kid. Don't see him nearly enough. So why? Why Lori Mahoney, 40 years old, mother of three, great woman, overcome obstacles, and yet we see God's work in action? Because I know she's going to stand out in the crowd when she's going to get chemotherapy, and I know she's going to stand out in the, in the crowd when she tells her story. And she's going to stand out in the crowd when she says, don't feel sorry for me because no matter what happens, whether I kick cancer or whether I go to heaven, my God is going to be praised. Are we ready to stand out in the crowd? Are we ready to look at our situation around us and shrug our shoulders and say, this really doesn't seem all that bad. And my God is with me. And my Savior has won the victory for me. And my Savior cleans out my ears when I don't want to hear him. And, my, and the Holy Spirit leads me to speak words of confidence and comfort and joy to other people who need that same message that Jesus is their Savior too. 
as sanctified Christians who understand what Christ has done, that we are fully justified, that we are declared not guilty by our righteous Father in heaven. May we stand out in the crowd, in our suffering, not looking at a yoke that's too hard to bear, but seeing how Jesus has lifted that off of our shoulders and now we are able to live for him. And we live that way knowing that one day the yoke is gone. Eternal life through the gift of our Savior Jesus. May that be our joy and our appreciation each and every day. And with that, may all God's people say, Amen. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you today and always. Amen.